And we're back. And today I'm here with my work friend, <laughs> Chris. Mm -hmm. And Chris is somebody who I think has a lot more in common with me than I realize. And we'll see at the end of this, at the end of anywhere from one to three beers, how much more we discover. So, Chris, how do I know you, and what do you do for fun? Uh, how do you know me? Uh, you know me through work, obviously. Uh, we've been working together now for, what, four or five months, somewhere in there? Uh, and for whatever reason, we pretty much immediately hit it off. Like, no justifiable reason, but uh, as that... As we've gotten to know each other better, it becomes, it makes more sense. Yes. Uh, yeah. So for fun, for me, it's um, pop culture, everything, pretty much. Uh, I, I have a real love of story in general, and therefore movies, TV, comic books, novels, podcasts, anything that takes me someplace, I'm, I'm into I've stopped reading actual books, though. I blame the internet. Yeah? Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, because podcasts are just so easy. And if anything, they've backdoored me into audiobooks. Because I tried to read a book the other day and just failed and had to download it. Yeah, I still have... Like, my mom asks me to send her a Christmas list for, for myself and uh, the family. And I felt bad putting books on the list this year because I still have at least two books that she gave me for Christmas last year that have not yet been opened. And I actively would like to read them at some point, but... You're not going to. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. Yeah. yeah. But you asked for more books this year? Oh, yeah. Because it's just an easy thing to ask for. Yeah, well, the thing is, there's this window, because we go down for Christmas, and uh, we're there for a week in the States, and it's doing nothing except eating barbecue sitting on the couch, lounging, and trying to not think of anything important. And during that week, I will read two or three books. So my hope is that any book that I receive this year, I will instantly read, and therefore I might not even bring it back with me to Canada. I'll just leave it down there for her to read. I imagine now all of your books have just barbecue stains around like the edges of the pages when you're drinking them. If I didn't uh, have like this OCD thing about keeping everything spotless, it probably would. Yeah. So what kind of barbecue? What, what kind of animal? Any animal? So I'm from Kansas City, and Kansas City barbecue is all about the smoke. And so it's uh, spicy barbecue, and it's any meat you can imagine. So uh, Kansas City is best known for burnt ends, for inventing that. Mm -hmm. um, so pork, chicken, cow, like all of the above is fair game. Like, they'll barbecue get, fish, they'll barbecue vegetables. You can get burnt ends at Hogtown Smoke in the beaches. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, we order that and just get two pounds of slaw, and they just call it meat salad. Yep. Yeah. It's yep. terrible. Terrible. It is. It, it's hard to find decent barbecue up here when you've grown up with it. Yes. So, so. listener, Chris is my natural enemy. He's from Kansas City, That's the true. city that destroyed dreams and made me cry about baseball for the first time ever in my life when I was 11. Go Royals. And I found out about that after I already liked him. Mm -hmm. So under reaching across the aisle and finding things that unite us in these troubled times, uh, I feel like this is a great example of you can still like people who like horrible things. <laughs>
Yeah, or you can just think that you were entrapped somehow into uh, liking a Kansas City fan. Yeah, so next time you're on, maybe it'll be around the beginning of baseball season and it'll just be a series of hisses and grunts. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. uh, Not to go into baseball too deep, but the Royals are are about to tear everything down and try and rebuild, so I expect many years of losing for the foreseeable future. But oh, that's nice. We won the World Series and beat the Jays on the way there, so it was great. That'll that'll tide me over for years. So comic books. <laughs> <laughs> you are the maker of a comic book database. Correct. How did you first decide I'm going to do this thing that is going to be initially I'm assuming some kind of labor of love or were you paid for it initially? No, no, it was uh, so I'm a massive podcast listener. I've been listening to them since they became a thing. And uh, 12, 13 years ago, uh, there was this initial wave of comic book podcasts, some of which are still around. But uh, I was listening to one and the hosts were talking about how there was no decent resource for information on comic books. At the time, I think there were only two websites that attempted to do it. One is still around and and is very comprehensive, but it's always been extremely uh, user-unfriendly from a layout and and, uh, usability perspective. And I'm listening to this podcast and I'm nodding along because I had just tried to search something that they had talked about an episode previously and I couldn't find anything about it. And I was like, yeah, that does, that just sucks. And then it, it literally took me, I don't know, a good 10 minutes to realize, oh wait, this is actually what you do in life is build websites. So I uh, took a day, threw something really ugly together uh, where it was literally just uh, blue links black text on a white page and went into the forums of this podcast and said listen to the show totally agree I've thrown this thing together if uh, anybody's interested in helping out you know providing the data I'll happily build it and it got this massive uh, reaction and, and groundswell of support within these forums and so I basically built it so that it's it's like if you crossed IMDb with Wikipedia, but for comics, right? And so as a result, it kind of runs itself. I have a great team of uh, admins that volunteer their time to curate the data, but otherwise it just sits there being a thing and, and it's evolved over time. It's originally it was supposed to just be this, uh, you know, if I like Transmetropolitan, and I see that Warren Ellis wrote it, and I click on his name, I can see what else he wrote, and things like that. And it quickly became people saying, oh, this is great, but you know, it would be really good if I could search by publisher. It'd be really great if I could track my collection. It'd be really great if I could have a wish list, a marketplace, things like that. So it really just grew out of uh, the, the passion of the audience that, that really enjoy using the website. and them saying, uh, hey, can we have this? And me saying, yeah, why not? So have you met any cool people through, like, in person? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, have you met any scary people through it in person? Uh, no. All right. No. Here's hoping. Uh, the fun thing is that um, you'd, you'd asked me a, a 
few weeks back about whether or not I'd gone to Fan Expo and I said that I used to go. Actually, I think this is how you discovered that I had this website, that I used to go every year and now I find it boring. But um, my favorite show is TCAF. I love TCAF every year. I'm not, I don't know if you're familiar with it at all. But it's, Toronto Comics Arts Festival? Yeah. 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 So, because uh, Toronto has an amazing uh, comic creator scene. Darwin Cook. Exactly. Yeah. I saw, I, well, I, two years ago, I saw a fantastic uh, panel with him and Ed Brubaker uh, talking about crime noir films right after they showed, um, oh, God, it was Kubrick's first movie, I think. Uh, I'll have to look it up. We it, should know this. It's a black and white crime movie. It's wonderful. Uh, and then they had this Q&A afterwards to talk about stuff. And then my wife and I went to dinner a few blocks down, and sure enough, here comes Darwin Cook and a couple of buddies, and they're hanging out, uh, smoking while they're waiting for a seat. And we're on the uh, the patio, and we all just start talking about the movie that we just saw. You know, and that's that's how you know it's you combine a a, a hobby or a, or a industry of people who are generally friendly to one another and in general and and just naturally friendly, combined with the fact that they're Canadian, so they also have this like natural friendliness. You just chat with them wherever and, and it's super random like today on the subway to come to work uh, my wife nudges me and says I'm pretty sure you're standing next to Chip Zdarsky and I turn sure enough there's Chip standing right there I've run into him in the lobby of this building before and it's just like that dude writes and draws comic books that I read on a monthly basis it's just super random that in a city of however many four or five million people you run into people that whose work you admire just out of nowhere that's one of the things I like about Toronto so but you're still American mm-hmm. still sticking with that uh, I've always maintained that my ability to vote in America has more direct influence on my life than my ability to vote in Canada if I were to become Canadian that's logical yeah, I suppose you shouldn't turn your back on your background. So, have you ever fired a gun? No, uh, uh, not an actual gun. I fired a pellet gun. Okay. Yeah. Although my brother keeps inviting me to go to the gun range every time we go down. He's a gun owner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not so much a stereotyping as an American thing. I'm just looking for friends for the apocalypse. <laughs> I have one a friend who has an interest in firearms, uh, but I have to sort of make my list of stops in my head. Mm-hmm. Should it all go down, where do I go to acquire things, sort of Grand Theft Auto style, sure. to make my way in the new end of times, Snowpiercer world that's right around the corner. But the real question is, where do you go? Yeah. And I know where you go. Uh, my son was doing college or uh, university visits, tours, uh, two summers ago. And we did a tour at the University of Toronto. And do you know the library that is at uh, college and university? Almost looks like a giant bird kind of uh, structure. It, according to our tour guide, it was actually built to be uh, riot-proof. Why the architect thought the library would need protection from riots, I don't know. Books are fucking awesome. Yeah, they are. Uh, but this building is actually structurally designed to make it impossible for rioters to 
Gideon. And if, if you're talking about a zombie apocalypse and the, the undead hordes, a riot-proof building is the place to be. So, listener, if you are getting ready for the apocalypse, find a well-fortified building a couple of blocks away, because now that Chris has spilled that, people will head there, mm-hmm. and they will inevitably turn on each other, and or the place will be stormed, and then there'll be a bunch of dead bodies and cool shit to take afterwards. <laughs> so, camp out nearby, wait till the shit goes down, and then gather the spoils. Yeah. Yeah. It's that or get out of the city. Yeah. Everybody always says get out of the city. They do. Yeah. I think it's about having a way to get back in that's safe. Yeah. And or acquire supplies. Well, in World War Z, according to, to that book, uh, we're already ahead of the game because you would just have to head north and eventually the zombies will freeze if you, once you pass the frost line and, and you'll be able to just live your life up there zombie free. Yeah. How are they with water in World War Z? Like going to the island? Although the island, you can pretty much walk across now because of the tunnel. Yeah. God damn That's true. Shit. Seemed like such a great idea when you had to get a border (laughs) flight. Oh, great, I can walk now. Mm -hmm. Zombies. Yeah, you'd have to cave in the tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bummer. So a question that I've been really struggling with, what happened in 2017 that was good. Uh, I did send an email to a friend that I worked with at my previous job to tell him that he was probably the best thing that happened to me in 2017. Uh, he had a, a surprisingly uncharacteristically emotional response to that. However, I feel like after he has a chance to think about that again, he'll remember what a crappy year that was and be less flattered. So... In terms so. of you, <clears throat> music, song, animal, your actual nuptials that happened, or we could give you a pass. No, my. Um, I did show this question I, to your wife, so. Yeah, my 2017, <laughs> uh, personally, on a on a from a worldwide perspective, 2017 was horrible. On a personal perspective, my 2017 was amazing. I mean, it w- we literally did everything possible to where I am now just regularly exhausted because I haven't been able to catch up to it. But uh, yeah, bought a house, went skydiving for the first time, uh, got a dog, my son got uh, graduated from high school. We got married, went on an amazing honeymoon in Europe. It's just like a laundry list of fantastic things. 2017, Chris's best year ever. Yeah. Yeah, between 2018, that, I, I'm just going to want to sleep the yeah. entire time. Between that and the Kansas City fan thing, I don't know why I like you anymore. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it kind of horrible. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to take a beer break and or water break and then come back and talk about uh, some comic book stuff, maybe related to TV, maybe related to fantasy casting. I don't know. I'm drinking Fendu Mont, so I might mix it up, listener. We'll see. And we're back, and we're going to do the thing that nerds do too much of, which is recasting people in roles. Right now, there's a lot of fun stuff going on on the internet about Star Wars. I haven't seen it. And I think that people have concerns that there's too many people who may have been 
born with vaginas that have words to say versus <laughs> the original movies where only Leia really talks. So mm-hmm. that's a problem for some people, and that's a real bummer. I feel like any movie without Jar Jar should be celebrated, but that's yeah, I can't, just me. I can't disagree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. kidding. It's like, do you really hate this movie more than the movie with Jar Jar? Then I can't understand yeah. your priorities. Yeah. yeah, fully agree. I feel like Jar Jar kind of set the set the bar of Jar Jar. Yes, yeah, bad movie. Jar Jar, no, we're good. Let's, yeah. uh, it's really just a scale of how good it is at this point. Yeah, anything yeah. without Jar Jar. So, fantasy casting for things that have not yet been created mm-hmm. or cast is, I feel like, still a safe activity to involve yourself in. Recasting sure. existing things can sometimes get weird. Yeah, unless it's Finn Jones in Iron Fist. I feel bad for him. And maybe he is. They need, like, one kid that's the kid everyone picks on in high school out of those TV (laughs) shows. And maybe picking somebody who's not super likable was kind of good. And it's great that it looks the other character shining. Jessica Henwick's great on that uh, show. Sure. I love Colleen Wing. Would I love her that much if there was an Iron Fist I liked? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 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 It. Uh, I will stick with trying to recast it. Yeah. I'm sure not all of it's his fault. I've heard stories about production choices that they made and yeah. things like that. Timing, but, scheduling. Yeah. Like he was curled up in a ball, like on a cell floor somewhere. And either, I don't know, Ireland, Hollywood, Croatia, wherever they were shooting that last season of Game of Thrones he was on. So he wasn't in, like, top condition either. Mm-hmm. I feel like the rest of them had more time and training. But why am I making excuses for Finn Jones? He'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's a white man with a job. He's fine. <laughs> so uh, what would be the property, uh, comic book property, that you would uh, love to have control over the casting? Oh, man. Something that's been announced yes. that needs to be cast. What's been announced lately? Or it could be anything. Oh, I suppose. Uh, you know, I was... I was. Um, do you read Lazarus? No. Greg Rucka and Michael Larko. Tell wonderful, me. Wonderful, wonderful TV show. Or comic book. It's uh, near future, so let's say 2060-ish, 2050-ish. Uh, countries no longer exist... And that is all divided up across roughly 11 families who are in power. And the societal breakdown is you have family members, of which there are anywhere, like, say, five to nine people. Below them are the serfs, and those are people that have jobs working for the family of any type, not just, like, servants, but doctors, uh, you know, military leaders, things like that. And then everyone else, the general public, is referred to as the waste. And it's uh, a world where there's constant political struggle between these different families. Uh, Meanwhile, the people that are considered the waste are barely able to survive due to famines or, you know, whatnot. And And that's different from now? uh, In that it's officially recognized, I guess, in the book. Uh, But more more to the point of the name of the book, Lazarus, is every family has what is referred to as a Lazarus, and these are uh, essentially um, genetically engineered super soldier type people, one per family member, and they, they, can, they have amazing 
uh, abilities, leadership and fighting and whatnot, and uh, as well as healing properties. They believe themselves to be family members of the ruling families and things like that, and they're uh, essentially sent in to solve problems and that sort of thing. And the main character, her name is Forever, Forever, and uh, she is starting to doubt her role in the family and the world at large and things like that, and and question is she, is her life what she wants it to be and that and that sort of thing. Uh, really wonderful book. They do a, a amazing ton of uh, world building in it. So aside from the story, you'll get, I don't know, three or four pages of, of the authors uh, answering letters and things like that. And then tons of like ads and documents and stuff as if it were from this world, right? So you're seeing posters that hang on buildings that are advertising, come join the whatever, make sure you eat, you take your pills every day because one of the families is big in pharmaceuticals and things like that. So a show, it would have to be a show. A show like that would be fantastic and forever. Uh, it's hard to, I would, I would see like a Jessica Alba circa 1998 playing that role. Um, potentially, I can't remember her name, but the woman who plays uh, Veronica in Riverdale could play that role oh. if she had those types of yeah. acting chops. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Hold on, pause. You watch Riverdale? Yeah, we watched the first season. Yeah. Uh, started the second season. Uh, my wife got quickly bored of it. She can't watch too many episodes in a row because it just gets a little too CW ridiculous. Um, I'm still enjoying it. Yeah. I love Riverdale. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm behind. I'm four or five episodes behind. But, yeah. yeah. I, I watched the cheerleader dance off probably too many times. <laughs> yeah. I can say that. You probably shouldn't. Yeah. It. Something about that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. I'm not sure what they're doing with Jughead. Sometimes. No, I don't think they know. I think they didn't expect. Uh, one half of uh, Sweet Life with Zach and Cody to actually be so compelling. So I think they they had the same challenge that so many shows have when the character that you don't think is going to break as big with the audience does, and then you have to reshuffle a lot. You know, no shade to KJ Apa, but he's okay. But he's not really popping with the followers, I think, as yeah. much as uh, the Sprouse is. And I always forget which one he is, Colton Dillon. And why do I know both of their names? Oh, yeah. God, I need more beer if I'm still remembering their names. But yeah, it, it's, a, it's a weird show in that I thought I'd hate it, and now mm-hmm. I'm weirdly into it. Yeah, you know what's funny is uh, for most of my life, I've not cared about Archie as a property at all. Yeah. I, read, I read it as a kid. Yeah, I, I find that's true among yeah. a lot of Canadians, actually. Yeah. But... Uh, no, I never, never read it, didn't care about it, and then just, um, I want to say, God, must be two years ago now, they relaunched, or they launched a more um, adult version of Archie in that uh, it's not the goofy, cartoony stuff, right? So it's written by Mark Wade, and it was originally uh, illustrated by Fiona Staples, and... Uh, 
wonderful book. Like it, it's a go-to for me now. Every month it comes out. They have a different a different artist now, but it's a great book. And that made me give Riverdale a try, and I, I enjoy Riverdale. It's okay. We we okay. Tangent. That was my fault, listener. Uh, fantasy casting of <laughs> forever. Yeah. Uh, so we have. I think her first name is Camille. I'm not sure. So the current Veronica and Riverdale. So there's yeah. yeah, I guess it's sort of It's hard to it's hard to pick those yeah. types of castings if you haven't seen that person in that role. Right. Right? So when Alias came out, yeah. I had no idea who Jennifer Garner was. I uh Oh, a TV show the TV Alias, show. not Jessica Jones. No, no, no. Yeah, Sorry, was... yeah. The TV show. I only knew Jessica Garner Jennifer Garner from Felicity. She had a minor role in that, right? And she's very like uh, every one of those teen show type women, uh, not this amazing kick-ass secret agent, right? Yeah. So at that time, if you'd said who should play Sydney Bristow, I never would have been a million years said Jennifer Garner. So similarly, would the would the woman playing Veronica? Do a good forever. Maybe. She's got the look. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So they are making a show. I don't know if it's been cast or not. Will it be on the CW or I dearly hope not. No, I think it's, uh, I feel like it might be Amazon. Not entirely sure. Oh, I hope it's Amazon. I love what they did with American Gods. Mm. I've only seen the first episode of that. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's really gorgeous. It's super weird. Yeah, I love the book. I've, I've read the book a few times, actually. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to hopefully listen to the, I think it's a BBC radio production of Nancy Boys that mm. is available somehow through the internets. And I'll hopefully listen to that over the holidays. Yeah. Nice. Um, I think Lenny Henry, uh, the guy who plays Grey Room on Game of Thrones, he's going to be in it. Yeah. Interesting. So. Yeah, stumbled across that like and sent it to boyfriend like we have to listen to this over the holidays. <laughs> yeah, so making plans for sitting around and doing nothing, nice. eating a lot of food. Yeah, if I find it, I'll send you a link. Cool. So for my fantasy casting, the thing well, actually the two things I sent you one that I was thinking about why the last man is something mm. I want to see somebody make. But then mm. the other thing, especially in the wake of the sort of universal meh for Justice League, which I still haven't seen, is Rising Stars. Rising Stars. That would be so fun. Because that's like your alternate universe Justice League, mm -hmm. where if Superman was found and raised by the government instead, and you have a much less compassionate uh, Princess of Power kind of Diana character, <laughs> and if Batman was black and even angrier and a touch more murdery so there's you have all of your main characters and Green Lantern's actually interesting <laughs> not that I mean maybe not all the Green Lanterns aren't interesting but it's just the whole mm -hmm. yeah I understand Will and the ring and blah whereas this is like oh some crazy like parasite gem in my hand it's kind of like Logan's Run meets Green Lantern it's way more fun so um, for that one like the alterna that's where things can get interesting because already that book has made all the characters the opposite of what they are and have been in DC for so long. So you can start to get really 
creative with everything from gender to background. Mm -hmm. However, it would probably be easier for people to digest if you stick with what they are right now. I mean, I don't know if she has the acting chops, and I don't know if she's already getting too old, but I still, there's a part of me that wanted to see uh, Gina Carano have a chance to be Wonder Woman. So I feel like as the less emotional, kind of murdery Wonder Woman version, mm -hmm. I think her stoicism might be okay for that. Mm -hmm. And I, I do love her a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. For the angry black Batman character, there's so many options now. <laughs> like, a few years ago, there was, like, five black guys working. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know. I mean, Sterling, like, this is us guy Sterling. Like, that's kind of an obvious choice. But he is, he has the stature. Like, he's a tall dude, and he's, like, a good actor and can do emotional and kind of angry. And he's done a lot of... TV stuff, but unlike Chadwick Boseman, he's not like everywhere and hasn't done all the things. Mm -hmm. um, for somebody younger, I don't know who else I could think of besides Sterling Brown for that character because you also need the gravitas. The challenge with casting a Batman or a Batman type is they have to be a good Batman and they have to be a good Bruce Wayne. There's been many that have been good at one or the other, but it's hard to be good at both. They actually have to be a good actor. So my first thought when you said that was uh, Marshall Ali. Ooh, oh. I would see him as an angry Batman in a heartbeat. You're right. That's a better choice. Although he also was everywhere. But yeah, no, everywhere for black guys, still not everywhere. So yeah, he'd be good too. And then for Robot Superman, uh, that's another one where I kind of struggle with the fact that Henry Cavill looks so good as Superman, but I get nothing from him, so I almost feel like he'd be better as the Rising Stars version of Superman because mm -hmm. there's no feels from him. So it's hard to think of somebody who'd be better at the non-emotional version that wasn't raised by, you know, Martha and... Uh, what's the dad's name? Jonathan. Jonathan. Why can I only remember Martha's no. name? <coughs> Fuck you, Batman v Superman. I can only remember Martha's name. I'll only remember Martha's name from the end of time. You know what's... <laughs> What's ridiculous for me is, aside from that that plot point, I, I've read comics for 30 years. I never noticed that they both had mothers named Martha yeah. somehow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Damn it. It Martha. still doesn't excuse the fact that that somehow ended the conflict. Yeah. But. It's just dumb. Uh, for Why the Last Man, mm -hmm. I... And he probably couldn't be cast if they did it because he's already done like a MTV, may as well be CW show. The kid who plays Styles on Teen Wolf, he, from Maze Runner as well, so the main lead in Maze Runner, he would be a really good Yorick, I think. I would have said, uh, if he's not too old, he doesn't look it, I could put Joseph Gordon-Levitt in that role. Oh. That's the first one that comes to mind for me. He's almost too charming, though. I Could feel be. like Yorick is such a jerk in the beginning mm -hmm. that you need somebody who can be a bit more of a dick. Because yeah, everything from Third Rock up until what he does now, I just, 
I just love Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Mm-hmm. It's just so charming. It's so charismatic. For some reason, I was just thinking about him in, uh, was it called 50-50? Oh. Where he has cancer? Yeah. I was just thinking about that movie a couple days ago. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. Man. He's great. And Agent 355 mm-hmm. is a role that, again, five years ago, you might have struggled to think of someone. And now, I mean, basically anybody in the Black Panther trailer... That's true. <laughs> yeah. Like, true. I'm pretty sure all of the black actors and actresses are in that movie yeah, at this point. Yeah. It's just, uh, yeah, February's going to be a great Black History Month listener. <laughs> We're all very excited. Yeah. Best February ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Already. Yeah. I don't know if it's just the dreads, uh, but the first person that, I, that comes to mind is the one that plays Michonne in yeah. Walking Dead. She's got the, the badass attitude and... and she easily killed that role. Yeah. And I can see, because she does a lot of good eye acting, so some of those moments when, you know, she's looking at York with nothing but love, and he's just being ridiculous or looking for somebody named Beth. So, yeah, the character, there's a couple of Beths. There's, like, baby mama Beth, and then there's uh, Beth that he's always looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway... Random law checks, throw a rock. Yeah, there's no shortage. There's a, actually like the girl who plays uh, the sister on The Gifted, which is a pretty surprisingly good show. I haven't seen that. I did not think I would like it, and it's actually decent. Really? Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, they did something good in that they used a lot of characters that you maybe aren't as familiar with, and there's some different powers. Mm. Um, and then for the people that you recognize, they're people that barely had any play. And things like Blink is there, and uh, a couple other that you may have seen in the beginning of, uh, not Apocalypse, not La- Last Stand? I don't know, what's the one where oh, uh, they go back in time? Yeah, 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 Days of Future Past. Yeah, there's yeah. a few of the characters that you see. I think so it's tied into the Fox movies? No. That show? Oh, okay. No, it's not. It's just they're uh, okay. using some of those mutes that we've only seen in that movie, but they were ones that you only saw briefly. Mm. Yeah. So that actress, she might be a good for a good Beth because she's, you know, sort of blonde and can look sad. Um, for the mother, I guess, Jessica Walton. Yes, that's maybe. absolutely <laughs> the first person that comes to mind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, in this uh, future world where all the men have died, all the women get to take over the government. And New York's mother is in the government, is she? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while since I read that one. Presidents or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And uh, then there's a agent from Israel named Alter who gets sort of sent on a parallel path to the characters that we're following. And she's fairly single-minded and kind of awesome, but terrible. And as a woman who's often had challenges at work by being described as too tactical and aggressive, kind of my favorite character, (coughs) not here yet. Notice the I would say Alter has to be Gal Gadot, even though she's already Wonder Woman, so um, we need a Gal Gadot type, and I feel like a creepy casting guy just saying that. But basically, if there was no Wonder Woman, it would for sure be her. 
but they so might have to pick somebody else. I've been told that it's pronounced Gadot. Gadot? Yes. Okay. Which seems weird because everybody's waiting for a Godot. <laughs> yeah. Evidently it's Gadot. All right. Yeah. That's learning something. Actually, there's a great uh, GQ video of her. It's like a joke video, like learning stuff with Gal. <laughs> I think that's what the name of the video is, though. Yeah. I don't think they include her last name. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I learned something about Gal. Yeah. She could easily play Alter. Yeah. No question. She'd be amazing. Yeah. And then She'd there's... She'd overpower the, movie, the show, probably. Yeah. And there's some cool Amazons in that comic book as well that actually do the, the boob removal. So that could be fun, too. What did you think of the end of that book? I think that anything that's that good, you're going to struggle with the ending. Because mm-hmm. it's not going to end the way you wanted it to, and you don't want it to end. So, yep. initially, I felt a lot of uh, frustration about how certain characters... I think Allison Mann, the Doctor, mm-hmm. like, their story ended. Um... Because you are moving forward mostly with this man. Mm-hmm. And this comic book that was amazing, won a shit ton of awards, that was one of the first that did that well, where most of the main, all of the main characters, except for this dude, are women. I kind of, at the end, like, why do I care about this dude so much? Like, there's all these great broads in there. So I struggle with that, too. Mm-hmm. It, but I mean, I knew should have known what I was getting into, considering it's called "Why the Last Man." So, <laughs> yeah. patriarchy. There's one dude, and it's still all about him. Yeah. Uh, but I, when I went back to it later, I liked the ending more. But when I first read it, I was like, kind of bummed out about how, as we move past some of the characters that I really like, we didn't get to sort of get there ending mm-hmm. so it wasn't so much his ending that annoyed me it was more that we didn't get to find out what happened with you know some of the follow with the Russian stuff and mm-hmm. the whatever like all those other things like I would have been interested to know yeah yeah very good and what do you think of the ending because I feel like that's uh, a question you ask when you have a feeling about something no I was just curious I, I mean you clearly have a a love of the story in the yeah. book and so I was curious because it is a controversial ending um I met it with a uh, distinct, huh, at the end. I was very just like, after this epic, wide-ranging story across continents and space and all kinds of stuff, to end it the way it ended, was I found underwhelming in the end. So, I mean, the whoa-type stuff happened like two or three issues before that. Yeah. yeah. I still haven't read Saga. I got the mm. first issue of Saga, like, right when it came out. Like, I was in the States, actually. I got it from one of those, like, massive, awesome comic shops in New York and bought the issues in the beginning. Didn't read them. Been buying the trades. Didn't read them. I don't know what's wrong with me. I really should just... That should be your holiday yeah, your really vacation yeah. project, not audiobooks. Yeah, no. Because, I mean, I love Runaways. Like, I love any kind of... Brian K. Vaughn situation. Yeah, so. he's fantastic. Yeah. Lost finally got back on on track when he joined that show. Yeah, his work is great, uh, and Saga is amazing. Yeah. It is 
Well, he is uh, unparalleled. He wins. They win all the awards every year. Yeah. I hope he hasn't done any weird raping stuff. That would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not put that one out into the world. Oh, God. <laughs> 2017 just sucks my life. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're going to do a beer break, maybe a leg stretch, and then we're going to get into the reason that we're talking, which is Punisher. One of the most problematic shows with regards to promotion for Marvel ever thanks to gun violence being Punisher's kind of reason for waking up in the morning. So that's been fun. We'll be back. And we're back, and we're talking about what not to wear at beer festivals. It includes onesies or jumpsuits or anything that involves having to get totally naked in porta-potties that make the toilet in train spotting look like a good time. <laughs> so, uh, Punisher. I This is probably one of the first... Marvel TV shows that I didn't watch right away or at least finished within the first sort of weekend. Not because, you know, any big reason, although I feel like for Luke Cage I had to watch it right away because black people also, the music was really good. Mm-hmm. And the first, they were smart. The first six episodes were like amazing. And then the rest was like kind of meh. Yes. But the first six were so good, I just kept waiting for the back half to get as good as the beginning was. That's that's actually, um, when I was reflecting on The Punisher, that's something that I, one of the many things that I enjoyed about The Punisher is that most of these Marvel TV shows have, uh, or Netflix shows at least, have an A and B plot. And lately with Luke Cage and uh, Daredevil Season 2, they just have this like, here's the A plot and then a hard break, and now here's the B-plot, Yeah. right? So it's Copperhead for however many episodes, mm-hmm. and now it's, uh, what was his name, Diamondback. Diamondback? I can't remember who yeah. the villain was in the, in the second half of Luke Cage. Same with Daredevil Season 2. Was, here's the Punisher, and now here's Elektra. With the Punisher, their A and B-plot were much more interwoven together, right? So you had this whole thing with... Uh, um, Oh, listeners, spoilers. We're yeah. totally going to talk about everything in Punisher. And if you're like one of the five people who are strangers who listen to me and you haven't watched Punisher yet, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Just like go watch a couple and come back or just listen to us because you might not ever watch it. There but you yes, go. back to you. Yeah. the You have the A plot with Frank trying to, you know, figure out how his past is now affecting his present and things like that. But you also have the B plot of... Uh, what was his name? Uh, Daniel Weber's character. Uh, the kid that has PTSD who is almost emulating the Punisher, but for more misguided reasons than what Frank has. Okay, first of all, everyone in the show has PTSD. Yes. Everyone. Yes. Karen has it. Yeah. What's his name? Ben Barnes. Yep. Billy. Has it, yeah. Like, Does he have it? Uh, but not from the army, I think, from his time in foster care. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, that's why he's... Right. Garbage trash human. Mm-hmm. Um, Calvin, obviously, like, like everyone and Frank. I mean, I was going to say if you could diagnose Frank, what things? Because there's not one thing that's oh, no. <laughs> that when oh, you no. diagnose him, but yeah. it's like PTSD is just like the cherry on the top. Yeah. 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 There's, yeah, some, there's no. some OCD. For Frank specifically, yeah, yeah. OCD. He's uh, a sociopath, clearly. Yeah. Um, he has some kind of like recall things that uh, so you could also diagnose him with good things like some kind of eidetic memory like because he's very good at like spatial awareness mm-hmm. and layout of things because like when he sets up like you know his home alone 
mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the way he moves through that space of, like, booby traps, yep. shenanigans. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if that's supposed to be some, like, uh, skill only he could be born with or if it's supposed to be a reflection of his training and his... his uh, background as a soldier and whatnot but uh yes everyone has ptsd but to start but i will say that um the mcu and netflix shows uh really didn't graduate to like big boy movies and tv shows until right around uh captain america winter soldier where it was just constantly origin story Here's a bad guy, lots of punching, the end. That was Iron Man and Iron Man 2, and Thor had a little bit of Shakespearean influence in it. But even the Avengers, it was now, let's put a lot of people together, punch the bad guy, the end. And then they got to Winter Soldier, where they basically said, uh, in, in addition to punching the bad guys, we're going to basically make this movie a 70s spy thriller with superheroes, right? And the same is true of the TV shows in that Iron Fist had nothing to say, right? Jessica Jones is good for the performances and the story, but it's also great because it's about uh, survivors of abuse and all kinds of things, right? It has a theme to it. And I felt The Punisher was the same way, this whole concept of what the military does uh, to these guys and then abandons them at the end, you know, and expects them to uh, reassimilate into society and things like that. Um, I thought that was a really strong point of it. Now, is is the end product that these guys can't assimilate and therefore go on murderous sprees of killing either... Uh, you know, bad guys like Frank or does, or uh, innocent people like uh, the young guy does. I can't remember what his name is. I can't either. That's it terrible. is Lewis. Yeah. His name is Lewis. Uh, yeah. A lot of the people that were in this war are completely unable to function as people. So, uh, and maybe that's part of the commentary. But in the end, you're you're rooting for one of these people. So, I don't know. It, I found it to be much more compelling than if it were your typical Punisher story, which is lots of guns, here's bad guys, Frank has no mercy, the end. Right? At least it was, there's some sort of societal commentary going on. Yeah, and it was just the most even of all of the TV shows in that there wasn't a point where I was really checked out. It wasn't as predictable as some of the other ones. Like that big sort of mid-season shootout that happened with Adami. Like I kept expecting like somehow Frank would get pulled in, but he was just at the White House, just mm-hmm. chilling. Mm-hmm. And all this is going on. I will say I forgot entirely that Ben Barnes was Prince Caspian from... <laughs> <laughs> Those movies were on TV this past weekend, uh, and I okay. was like, oh my god, his hair really is that beautiful. If anything, they dialed it down for Punisher. Yeah, there were a couple of scenes where I thought my sexuality was Ben Barnes' hair, but 
And then I felt bad because his whole character had this thing about being called pretty that made him want to murder people and mm-hmm. slit their throats. So yeah, you shouldn't he, objectify people because of their hair. He was an interesting change because in this in the books he's uh, a mobster that uh, Frank disfigures and he goes on to become Jigsaw, right? And I didn't put it together until a few episodes in when I started calling him Billy the Butte because that was his nickname in the books as well as in uh, Punisher Warzone. But uh, it should be interesting. I'll be curious if they bring him back right away for the second season or if they go for a third season because they just announced the second one was going to come. Mm-hmm. So. so I'm sure the numbers were good, but they haven't been talking about it as much, probably because of the gun violence. Man, most likely. Yeah, but... And I don't even hear people talking about that show as much, but I feel like the kind of people who like Punisher aren't the people I follow on social media. Whereas after Luke Cage or even Jessica Jones, I saw a lot of things being like linked to or retweeted. Um, everything from the actors to the music being very more strummy guitar stuff, it's not the kind of thing I would normally lean towards, mm-hmm. and I'm not seeing that really reflected I'm sure somewhere there's a whole bunch of people that are really into it that are talking to each other about it, but I'm not seeing those conversations. Yeah, the the people that I follow in the comic industry are uh, very happy with it for the most part, not uniformly, but in general. It's a because the problem with the Punisher as a character is very much like Superman. The problem mm-hmm. with Superman, right? Superman is essentially God if you write him that way. There's you have to make up things. To, to make him more human in order to give any bad guy to, to create actual conflict in the story. That's mostly Kryptonite and his side piece. Yeah. And ultimately his and weird homoerotic relationship with Lex Luthor that was I feel like the TV show Smallville really They really latched onto that one. Yeah. 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 Similarly Frank in the hands of a average writer is just this robot has no uh has no real gravitas because he's just, my family was murdered, I kill everyone that jaywalks or worse, right? Whereas <laughs> in this, it, he had a lot more, he had a lot more pathos, right? Like you actually, it was, I found it really interesting, all the scenes with, the, with Micro's wife, because it was almost as if he was having a chance to live out the life he wasn't able to have because his you know, his family had been killed. And this whole sort of, like, simmering relationship with Karen that he has going on, I didn't see that coming. But I can guarantee you I've never seen the Punisher kiss anyone on the cheek or otherwise. So that was a first as well. So they definitely said, we can't just make this guy a one-note killing machine, and which is often the case with that character. So I grew up, like... He was a massive character. It was him and Wolverine back in the 90s, late 80s and 90s. So I grew up as a Punisher fan, like all the kids of the 90s. And so to see him come to life in a more complex character was nice. It's funny, before Civil War came out, I said, okay, I'm finally going to read Civil War because I had the unlimited subscription then. And I read like mm-hmm. all like 90 plus Civil War titles that were available through Marvel Unlimited. And the only two characters that consistently made me laugh and that fucking slog of a nightmare mm-hmm. of cross whatever and I'm so glad I didn't have the money or time when those came out to buy everything because I would have been furious mm-hmm. 
Or Wolverine and Punisher. Yep. Or Wolverine's story, like, started with his tagline every time, like, I'm the best at what I do and whatever, and the, like, Punisher just, like, pops up for, like, a hot sack and was like, end of the world, I got all these bullets, who wants to help me use them? <laughs> <laughs> it's just... I love the two of them so much, because they really speak to me in terms of, you know, as somebody who likes to get things done with efficiency, I feel like they got a real, like, point A to B mentality that resonates with me. That's um, what resonates? It's not your bloodthirsty desire to murder everyone who wrongs you? So, yeah, that's probably the other reason why we get along, <laughs> is that you were able to figure that out right away. And you're not scared of me. That's true. That's a thing. There's yeah. people who can smell the murder on me and I, actually are. I figure you make friends with the potential, you know, problem people, yeah. and that way you have a slightly better chance of survival. But yeah, Civil War, that whole storyline kind of oh, yeah. fell apart at the end. It was trash. The it comic was book awful. was the movie. I was actually by the time I was three quarters of the way through it, I'm like, oh my god, this movie's going to be terrible. And the movie was so much better oh, yeah. than most of those comics. The only character that I really wanted to follow all the way through was Wolverine and they ended his stuff early it's like he figured out faster than anyone that this was some kind of like you know set up shenanigan and then you don't get to follow him through that although I did enjoy the Runaways and Young Avengers crossover piece too that was just like a little mm-hmm. side piece in there I don't know if I read that yeah are you watching the Runaways TV show? Oh my god, yes. We just started that last night. I'm on, I think episode four or five. I don't know, because in Canada on Showcase, they are behind where they are in the States on Hulu. Mm-hmm. So I can't even follow the hashtag or anything. Although the woman who plays Tina Minoru, I think, liked one of my tweets, because I talked about her outfits just nice. being everything. Yeah, I never thought... What I like about the show, the TV shows, are spending more time with the parents yeah. than you did in the comic book. I got that even just out of the first yeah. two episodes. And I really like it. And the characters, uh, I think if they're doing this to then give the children characters more depth later on, I think that's good. Because you're getting to sort of see who their parents are and they aren't all going around bad. And I love that the guy, Marshall from Alias, is one of the parents. Yes. So fun! Yeah. They are like the funniest parents, and like the Menorahs are like the, well, Menorah mom. She's like the Regina. She's the main yeah. girl of the parents, and yeah, it's just so good. So um, when. Uh, I like that the big black guy isn't like, I mean, yes, he has like a weird typical criminal past, but like he's not the scariest parent. Mm-hmm. And in the comic book, he comes off as the scariest one. But it's really the Minoru mom. Oh, yeah, he's definitely. The no, he's the, he's the yeah. softest of the bunch, really. Yeah. I mean, he's the one that, uh, you know, says, I'm sorry for what's about to happen to you and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, every once in a while, my wife says something that just reaffirms that I picked the right woman. And we watched that first episode, and Marshall from Alias shows up, and she says... Is this a J.J. Abrams thing? Because he shows up in all of his stuff. I was like, ah, you are the best. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like Greg Grunberg when you see him. That's anything. exactly right. Yeah. Greg Grunberg showed up in um, episode seven, and I was like, what is happening right now? Greg Grunberg does not exist in the Star Wars universe. But now he does. But now he does. Yeah. Yep. He's in all the things. God damn it. Yeah, J.J. Yeah. I hope he hasn't raped anyone. <laughs> That's my catchphrase. Yeah, so I hear default uh, yeah. go-to for everybody yeah. that hasn't been accused yet. That I like, that makes stuff I like. Mm-hmm. I feel like so many 
good memories have been retroactively ruined. And yes, as I talked about in the last episode, the last comic I saw live was Louis C.K. So, you know, mm. 2017. Yeah. Could it just be over already? Yeah. 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 But yeah, yeah so I so love Punisher. The, I love The Punisher. I, you know, there were certain things that were very cliche. There were certain things that they went against cliche, which I really, really appreciated, right? I was waiting every single episode for... Um, was her name Dina? I was waiting for her mentor, Rafi, to turn on her, to somehow be yeah. involved in things. And that never happened, and I really appreciated that. Especially because he's the dad from Ugly Betty, so that would have been a real bummer. Because I love that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, she was an interesting character in that... She's very attractive. I'm going to say yes. because Chris shouldn't. It's true. Very attractive. Uh, and we talked about this before. Um, uh Lexi Alexander, who I follow on Twitter, directed Punisher Warzone, um, did a lot of commentary about this show because she's so hooked into the Punisher. And uh, she mentioned she's uh, Palestinian and German, I believe. And she was saying, she talks a lot about um, uh, uh, Arabic representation in film and TV. And she was saying that this character was the first Iranian Iranian or Iranian woman who had a major part in a show and whose family background had nothing to do with terrorism at all, which I found super interesting. I hadn't really considered that. Um, And then we looked the actual actress up, and it turns out that she's like Polish and I don't know. Something else. Something not Arabic at all, right? But her representation of this character was super interesting in that she has a lot of agency in the show, right? Like, she's involved in a lot of the stuff. It's not... It's a show called The Punisher, but she's a fairly important character. But every time you think she's going to do something, she spends most of the episode at a desk talking to her assistant, right? For the, Until closer to the end. So it was interesting to see how she was portrayed in a... You know this character kicks ass. They just didn't necessarily give her a lot of opportunity to show that off. Yeah, it's a bit of a bummer. One of the scenes where you see or you realize how tough she is, it's because she can have a fairly aggressive sexual encounter while she's still bruised from a car accident. It's like, I would Mm -hmm. rather see her working out at a gym after the car accident and then going to smash Ben Barnes' hair. You know? (laughs) This goes (laughs) back to the hair. Yeah. It's beautiful. Oh, my God. Yeah. But it, it was, yeah, she would have these great moments, and then it's like, oh, she gets saved by Frank from the car accident. And then, oh, this horrible thing happens, and you realize that she's, like, the unintentional leak because she's smashing, like, one of the bad guys. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a bit of a bummer. She finishes strong, but she still ends up being, like, half, like, she has to be saved. By frankly, he has to like stay and take care of her and yeah. let himself get captured for her to live. Yeah, it's a mixed bag. Yeah. For her. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious to see if she shows up in season two. I, yeah. I assume that she does. I hope so. And I don't know. You obviously know way more about comics than I do. It's not like she's not like a Misty Knight situation. Like she doesn't have like some sort of comic book corollary that turns no, into like it's like a super awesome robot arm or as something. far as I know she's new for the show okay can we talk about Misty Knight for a second though <laughs> I'm so excited I cannot wait yeah for her to get that arm like 
Do you like her portrayal in the, sh- in oh. the TV shows? My God, yes. Yeah. I love it because unlike Adami, you get to see her be have more actual mm-hmm. agency. Like the whole, um, is it her and Claire in the basement in the club? Like that whole big mm-hmm. business mm-hmm. was amazing. And even in the Defenders, when she's sort of like collecting people, like in the caretaker room, and going with them to the building, like. There's a lot of shit that's not great about the Defenders, but she, her and Rosario Dawson are the two characters that I feel the least disturbed by their portrayal. Interesting. The, the ridiculousness of Claire popping up and everything, and the eyes still kind of That wanted, drives me crazy. I kind of wanted Claire to pop up in I this I was one, so happy she did But I was glad that she did, and I was glad it was Calvin, because yeah. I was like, oh, he's hurt. We're going to go see Night Nurse, but instead... Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, you know what's funny is um, the episode where uh, he ends up strapped down with the bomb and all of the the claymores are around him and whatnot. I think they actually named that episode. Front Towards Enemy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I really liked that episode a lot. That whole bomb defusal scene was super tense. Like, And not a predictable ending. No, well, that's the thing, right? Like, it, the, the show is called The Punisher. You know that when he cuts that wire and it's facing him, it's not going to explode. And yet, when it finished, I was I was like exhaling. Yeah. Because it was super tense. Yeah. 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 I liked that one a lot. I really liked, um, for the most part, I liked the uh, the hotel room episode. Um, where it was sort of like a Rashomon type. Yeah, you're hearing the story from different movies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was like Rashomon combined a little bit with, I don't know, like the Raid or Dread, except instead of going upstairs, they're going downstairs, right? Um, but I liked that one. I liked that one quite a bit, except for the extraordinarily awkward gun uh, rights discussion between Karen and the sender. It was just super out of place. Because Karen's never been like this giant advocate for having a gun, right, and things and whatnot. So it just was, it was, it felt very forced. But other than that, I thought the episode was great. Karen, in general, I wish I liked her more. Yeah. That's all. Like I think she's okay as a character. There's just. And maybe if they gave her something to do besides react to all the fucked up dudes she knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I found her and relationship. And I kind of wish they didn't kill the guy whose office she got. Like that guy. Yes, I love that amazing. guy. When that happened, yeah. I was so disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. Like if they just had her working with him. Yeah. That would be fine. But I'm kind of bummed that they killed that guy and let her take his office. And maybe that's why I'll never truly like Karen. Yeah, maybe. I mean. If there's one thing, aside from Luke Cage, there are not many black characters yeah. in these shows. And they killed him off. And I was like, really? The one black dude that's in this TV show? Yeah. Right? And Although it was funny for Luke Cage that you saw all the black people from the other shows pop up. Like, yeah. the, assistant, the assistant DA popped up on Luke Cage. And, like, everybody who was, like, black from the other shows would show up in Harlem because yeah. Harlem. Yeah. Yeah. But The Punisher was the same way. It was entirely white people... And Except for Calvin. 
Calvin, Dina, and um, uh, a couple of the like support group people. But otherwise, good or bad, they were all white dudes, which was an odd choice, it seemed like. Or is Netflix looking at their data and deciding one of the great things about picking these characters for these shows is we have something for everyone. Jessica for the badge, <laughs> Cage for yeah. the Negroes, Punisher for your NRA loving folk, and Daredevil for kind of like your people who are across. Your blind audience. Yeah, yeah. Your differently able audience, and then Defenders for people who like making fun of Iron Fist, which is everyone. <laughs> Iron Fist isn't for anyone. No, yeah. it's really not. Yeah. Defenders was, I had a problem with too. There were parts of it that were good, but like, what was, what was the plan? The bad guy's plan? It was just to carve a hole in New York and make it crumble to the ground so that they could get the magic black goo to make themselves immortal. Yeah. I can't believe I remember that. Listener. You nailed it. I've been drinking Fendermont, which is 9%, as the box is loudly saying to me from across the room. I am really thrilled with myself right now <laughs> that I could just spit that out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that, a terrible fucking plan. It's awful. Yeah. And But they've watched cities crumble. And like you know? the one time that Iron Fist uses the Iron Fist in yeah. that show, the only time I can remember him using the Iron Fist is, is like, for the bad guys. Yeah. Yeah. Because he didn't figure out the whole time that they wanted him to just punch something. Yeah. Yeah, but Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver. Weaver. Yes. Man. Yeah, yeah. Sigourney Weaver. Mm -hmm. I just... Here's the thing, Lester. I feel like thinking about questions like, who's your celebrity crush, which is something that uh, some people or jobs ask you, it can reveal something about your number on the Kinsey scale. For me, uh, when I'm asked that question, I right now my answer is Gina Carano, and that's the kind of question I just choose not to answer when I start a new job because I think that just tells people a little too much about me. I'm not ready to share, <laughs> but I feel like for any girl who's not a hundred percent on the I only like phalluses side of the scale, Sigourney Weaver. If you watch Alien, you <coughs> had to have some kind of feeling. Yeah, a little stirring. Yeah. Mm. A little bit. It, it's got to move a little bit. When I, uh, full uh, disclosure, the job that you're talking about is this one. And when I started here, they asked me that question. And the first person that popped into my mind was Charlize Theron in Mad Max Fury Road. Oh. Because that movie had just come out. Yeah. I am obsessed with that movie. The soundtrack. So not Charlize Theron and Monster. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, that would have been a funnier answer. <laughs> yeah, it's Carla from Cheers. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mad Max Fury Road, man. Yeah. I absolutely. I've watched that movie at least a dozen times. I've got the soundtrack on my phone. Went and got my wisdom teeth taken out, and as they were giving me the gas, it was to the soundtrack of Mad Max Fury Road. Because, why not? I love that movie, although it still has one of my least favorite tropes, which is, let's cover up Tom Hardy's beautiful mouth. <laughs> which happens far too often. Yeah. Bane, Dunkirk. Like, come on. Mm -hmm. 
he's a good actor, but he's a great mouth. Like, why do people keep putting things over it? Have you seen Warrior? The oh, the MMA version of Rocky no. that he's in. He is fantastic in that. I've watched parts of it, but I haven't gotten through it for reasons. He is marvelous. Yeah. Yeah. And he so is, is Nick. Marvelous. So is Nick Nolte. Yeah. So, covering Tom Hardy's mouth, as we all know. I don't like, I believe there's an older episode of the podcast literally called Tom Hardy's Lips. Sorry. Yeah? Yeah. I think it was when uh, that movie where he plays Twins came out. I saw the film. Legend. Yeah. Movie wasn't great, but at least I got to see his mouth a lot. Devil Tom Hardy. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. No, the movie wasn't great. It started off promising and just kind of fizzled out. Weird, yeah. We'll see what he does. I thought he was on a come-up after Revenant, because the year of Revenant, he was in that and Mad Max, but mm-hmm. it seems like he had to take a break, which I imagine he probably wanted a break after that. It was well, he, he years. relapsed at one point, right around that time, mm-hmm. I think, and went back into rehab, but now he's playing Venom in the Spider-Man movies. I'm concerned. I've heard about this, but I've pretended that it isn't happening. Yeah, apparently it's fun. Yeah. Which will involve covering his mouth again. There you go. Ugh. Why? Why? <laughs> this is the problem. See, the real problem with men making all the decisions in Hollywood isn't the fact that they are super rapey. It's that because they're men, they don't understand why it's such a tragedy to cover Tom Hardy's mm-hmm. mouth. Is it like putting a hat on Ben Barnes? Yes, uh-huh. exactly. Or shaving his head. Yeah, if they had cast Ben Barnes as young Xavier. Do you think if he comes back as Jigsaw and his face is all messed up, that he'll still have amazing hair? Oh, oh, oh. Or will he have messed up hair? Oh, no. Punisher season two, down the drains already. Yeah, or they just need to have another character with really good hair. Yeah, that's that's a real... (laughs) I did not consider that. You've upset me. I've just ruined your holidays. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Previously, listener, uh, Chris was giving me, like, a young, attractive Santa vibe. Like, not like Claus from that comic book, but close now. He's like Krampus. Yeah. Yeah. That's the real goal. (sighs) That's a real bummer. So, overall, we liked Punisher. Mm Mm-hmm. You, you if you've watched any bit of the Marvel Extended Universe, TV show, movie, read a comic book, watched Dirty Laundry and thought Thomas Jane should have had another crack at it, you should give Punisher a chance because it's actually legit. Yeah. Good. Yeah. It's, I wouldn't say it's my favorite of the Marvel Netflix shows, but it's up there. It's top. So what's your favorite? Top two. That first Daredevil scene, or season, I have a love for just like I had a love for the original Iron Man movie. Yeah. They're just... Okay, so... There's something about you haven't seen it before. We haven't prepared for this, but after watching Ragnarok, I realize it throws my whole what's my favorite MCU Mm -hmm. movie off, or even my top five, which is constantly shifting, based on not just the movies that have come out, but also how I feel about the world and how I feel about the people in those movies because of all the Chris's, Chris Evans is the one who's actually the most likely to be somebody I'd want to hug from. I just feel like he's a good guy. Whereas Chris 
Brad is the one who has the most problematic politics, and Chris Hemsworth is the one that obviously everyone would want to have sex with the most. So there really are a lot of Chris's in the MCO, aren't there? So many. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, Ragnarok was so good. Yeah, it really was. That it's now made me revisit my scale for all of them, but I think original Iron Man is still number one just because it did something so amazing and mm-hmm. set yeah. an amazing sort of runway for all these other films. And you know what's crazy? That movie is over 10 years old at this point. Yeah. Or close to 10 years old. 2008, 2007, somewhere in there. And I, I did a full MCU rewatch when my wife went away for two weeks this past summer. And it completely holds up. It does. The effects are flawless still. It looks just as if it had been made today. It's great. I mean, the bad guy sucks in the end. Jeff Bridges is not a good bad guy. In a but it's still Jeff Bridges. So even sure. though he's not great, at least he got to be Jeff Bridges in like regular like human clothes and no crazy makeup so it's not like wasting like awesome pushing daisies guy covering him in blue totally love jeff bridges yeah but ultimately it was iron man in this futuristic super suit against jeff bridges in a shittier version yeah super suit and i feel like they never any question they didn't let jeff bridges be jeff bridges enough whereas with ragnarok it was like ultimate gold bloom well, it was just Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's like Jeff Bridges. They gave him a character named Obadiah. Like, I feel like that's all you need to do. Jeff, your character's name Obadiah. Go. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it might have even been even more awesome. Mm-hmm. But who cares? It was good. Yeah. So in terms of, it's hard to come up with a ranking, and I feel like somebody should be allowed to prepare a couple of days for this question. Mm-hmm. What movie of this like pre Infinity War phase has made it into your top five? Iron Man, original Iron Man, no question. Yeah. Uh, Avengers, um, just to see them all on the singer, on the screen at the same time to see this like. Oh, you don't rid- have to convince me. I paid to see that four times in the yeah, theater. But yeah, 100%. just the ridiculous yeah. idea that something like that could happen, and then making it happen was astounding. Uh, Ragnarok may well very may very well be in top five. Um, Guardians, I really loved the first, first one. First one, mm-hmm. Winter Soldier. I'm assuming it's Winter Soldier, but it's just something else. Winter Soldier and Civil War. I I really enjoy both of those movies. I'm trying to think, what are the other? Ant Man. Ant Man was great. See, that's another one where they were just like we're we're gonna do a heist movie with superheroes. I feel like if. Edgar Wright would have been able to finish that movie, it would have been even better. But because I had Paul Rudd, it was still just so charming. And the whole yeah. Michael Pena bit with the Paul Rudd is great. The storytelling of like how Michael Pena owns that movie. He so good. He needs his own movie in the yeah. MCU. Yeah. No, I I love it, Michael Pena. He was in uh, Eastbound and Down and he was absolutely hilarious in that show. Um, but yeah, it's it's Iron Man, it's Avengers, it's Guardians Volume One. Definitely not Avengers 2. Definitely none of the other Thors. No, definitely not the other Thors. Definitely not the other Iron Mans. Mm, yeah, that's probably... Yeah. And Black Panther hasn't come out yet, which will obviously be soon my number one. Ooh, man, you are setting your expectations high. 
I think I'm sending them exactly where they should be. Well, all right. Yeah. I've benefited greatly lately of lowered expectations. We went and saw Justice League last week. My wife was like, while everybody else is going to see Star Wars, let's go see Justice League, and it'll be like an empty theater. Pretty smart. Uh, lowered expectations. I actually enjoyed it. Really? Yeah. Was there enough Wonder Woman? Because I feel like in the Joss Whedon recut, you'd probably get five more minutes of Wonder Woman that might not have been. Probably. They played her up quite a bit. I think that... How did they shoot her? Because my challenge was, my concern was, in her movie with Patty Jenkins, there's only one scene where you get a little upskirt action, which I I really liked. And I was concerned that in the Zack Snyder version of Justice League, you'd see more, like, lascivious leg, like... No, I don't recall that. She kicks ass. There's... I don't know why. I don't know why they. Well, I do know why because I love it. But they have this thing with her where they just love her, like crashing into a room, and she's like stock still as she goes through it. But the door explodes or the church explodes or whatever all around her. And they did that in this movie again. And you're just like, that is so awesome. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm Maybe. not gonna spoil it for you because I know you didn't see it. I mean, it's the longest I've gone with out seeing one of the major superhero movies. I feel like I'm punishing Justice League for how terrible Suicide Squad was. I was going to ask, did you see that in theaters? Mm-hmm. No, I didn't. Yeah. Not great, listener. I made mistakes. <laughs> I, and I'm mad. But I loved Harley Quinn. I love the Batman animated TV show so much. Mm-hmm. I thought, even if they do one of the bad versions of Harley Quinn, it's still got to be much like that line in a terrible movie threesome. Sex is like pizza. Even when it's bad, it's still kind of good. I thought any movie with Holly Quinn had to be kind of good. I was wrong. Definitely wrong. Oh, my God. It was such a bummer. Yeah. Such a bummer. And then what they did with Adam Beach. Oh, I love Adam Beach. Yeah. So, anyway. Marvel, top five uh, for me. Right now, my number one is still with you. Uh, Original Iron Man, number two is still with you. Uh, original Avengers, Ragnarok now has moved like solidly into the number three spot. Uh, I'd say Winter Soldier is my number four, and then my number five is like a series of shifting sands where it would be Guardians if I didn't dislike Chris Pratt's politics so much. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and it kind of makes me want to slot Ant Man in there, even though it's no one's top five, but. I love Paul Rudd and I love Michael Pena and I kind of love just the way that whole story comes together and the whole Evangeline Lilly fight training scene is awesome and my top five, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in there. My top five includes Spider-Man Homecoming. I loved that movie. Okay, so the Spidey sense in the trailer, which I talked about with Martin the last time I recorded, how he was like frustrated that you see Spidey Sense in the trailer for Infinity War, but you just didn't see the Spidey Sense like hair on the arms mm-hmm. in Homecoming. That was my only detraction from Homecoming was there was no Spidey Sense. But because he should have figured out the minute Dad opened the door that it was him. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't. Maybe they're. Maybe they'll say it's an evolution of yeah. his powers or something. Who knows? But but that that Michael Keaton's character figured it out before him. Yeah. That just they finally my my favorite part is that they finally nailed both Peter Parker and Spider Man. My problems with the previous it's the whole Bruce Wayne Batman. Yes, yeah. my pr- problem with the previous iterations were they either got Spider Man or they got Peter Parker, but not both. In this one, they finally got both, 
And I didn't see the twist coming with uh, Michael Keaton's character either. Yeah. So, yeah, I really, really enjoyed that movie a lot. Doctor Strange is up there too, but I don't think it cracks top five. Yeah, I, I didn't see the twist coming at the beginning, but then there was some stuff like when I was watching and thinking like the kid's picture and whatever. I was not 100% surprised when the door opened, but yeah, it was... I was floored. He opens that door and I was like, what? And then I was just, for the next 15 minutes, I was... I need to watch it again because I probably only caught half of what they were saying simply because I was still processing that. They really played on people's assumptions with that because here's the thing, America, you made a weird choice because you thought you had a black president, but he's only half black. It's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, have a, I love I have that a... actress. I follow her on Instagram now. She's no Zendaya, oh, really? but... She has some beautiful fashion shots on her Instagram. You should follow her. I um. I haven't. I struggle with Civil War. Mainly because there are moments in that movie that are astounding, like the whole airport scene is wonderful. Seeing all of those characters on screen at the same time is great. There's a moment in the final fight with between Cap and Iron Man. Oh, my God. All of it. All of it. All of it. There's this part where Cap is arguing on behalf of Bucky, and Robert Downey Jr. just kills this line mm-hmm. and says, he killed my mom. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh, what a dagger to the heart right there. Right. You know? And, but there are whole stretches of that movie where it's just like, I don't even remember what's happening right now. I only flash back to... The final scene and the airport scene. Whereas Winter Soldier was stronger overall. And they're ca- so the well, casting. The other, the other scene I flash back to is also uh, Bucky and Falcon in the car watching him kiss Sharon. That, yeah, that Which, was good. And Black Panther's amazing. That was a great comedy moment. On the flip side, I feel like they both secretly just want Steve for themselves. So, yeah, probably. Or not so secretly. Yeah. yeah. Um, the best part about the MCU, aside from the source material, of course, is their casting. Their casting is is ridiculous, and has been since the beginning. Like the moment they announced Robert Downey Jr., who had who was practically out of acting at that point, to play the he was uninsurable alcoholic playboy. Yeah, was just was so inspired. And they've just gone that way ever since, right? Like, nobody knew who Chris Hemsworth was, as far as I know, and the dude is Thor, right? Chris Evans, previously Johnny Storm. It's worked out okay. If you're Johnny Storm, you can still get another job in the MCU. I'm looking at you, Eric Killmonger. (laughs) Black Panther. We're very excited. Yeah. But you only know him as Johnny Storm. You're like, how is this dude ever going to play Captain America? And he, he is Captain America, you know? It, all the way through, like, I can't think of a single bad casting in any of the movies. No. Nothing's coming to mind. They somehow they, they get whoever they want. they bad writing for the villains, but even yes. the bad writing for the villains, like, the casting's been okay. Yes. Like, yeah. And, and then they get Kate Blanchett. Oh. Right? Amazing. They get... Uh, 
Uh, oh man, who was I just thinking of? Oh, this is killing me. I mean, obviously Jeff Bridges, like we were talking about in mm -hmm. Iron Man, but they had, um, you know, it, Thor is directed by Kenneth Branagh. They've got Anthony Hopkins, mm -hmm. like these massive names that. Glenn Close in, for uh, Xander. In, in just yeah. like bit parts, right? Yeah. yeah, like in 2006, if somebody says to you that these multi Oscar winning actors are going to be appearing in Marvel movies, you'd have laughed that person out of the room. You know, it's just, it's quite amazing what they've accomplished. And all the more obvious when you compare it to, to DC. Like, DC is just, like, I enjoyed Justice League, but it's no Avengers. And I came out of it saying, this was fun, but I'll take the Avengers every time over this. Four times. I paid to see that four times in the theater. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. It was just so good. I was just so happy. Hulk smash. Yeah, it was wonderful. He's adopted. Like, there's just so many lines, even though they're still using that stuff for callbacks for later movies. It was practically perfect in every way. And that you had even screen time for all those characters. Like, I think I read some blog posts where they talked about the um, minutes of talking time per character, and it was the variance was no more than five minutes. Mm. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's when you get somebody like Joss who is good at ensemble shit. So you don't just focus on one character. You actually realize, oh, there's just, it's more interesting at the end if you actually care about everyone. Mm -hmm. and they've had some kind of, they've got an actual character development. They have a moment. You can see, oh, this is what this person's good at. And this is what they do. Like yeah. The only person who was slightly underserved was Hawkeye, which I kind of like that Hawkeye is that... He's almost like the Iron Fist, but not as brutal. But he's just like, what's he here for? Yeah, I, I can see where you're going with that. Yeah. In that he's he's the weak link on the team. He's the least necessary, but I love having him around. Well, that's because Jeremy Renner is actually a good actor. He's yeah. charming. Yeah, when he and shows Finn up. Jones sucks. When he shows up to get Scarlet Witch, he's like, yeah, gotta go. It's, so That's a great moment. So here's my least favorite part about the Avengers. Mm -hmm. And it has nothing to do with the movie. She has a line, Scarlett Johansson has a line, she might even say it twice, but she definitely has a line in the Avengers where she's talking about Hawkeye and she says, um, I can't remember the exact line, something about, oh, I had read, I have read in my ledger or something like that yeah, when it I came to him yeah. or whatever, right? Now, one of the. Sun's um, getting real low. <laughs> it's, it's, it's that line. line. It's, yeah. It's that. They give her the worst line. They really do. Yeah. But the problem is, is that when, for the comics, when the movies are successful, there's clearly an editorial mandate that they need to replicate some of the things from the movies to make people, I don't know, to try and sell more issues to people who've seen the movies. So for the next year, Every issue that I read that had Black Widow, she was always talking about red in her ledger. Ugh. It was brutal. That's terrible. Yeah. Well. Comics. I mean, at least if they worked in a good joke about it being a heavy flow day, maybe. Murder Scene Monday. Hashtag Scarlet. Red. Hashtag Black Widow. Yeah, it would be great. Yep. 
Yeah, if they like had just a side episode where their flows sync up and they go on a rampage, like every man's nightmare. She's gonna have a movie now, right? I don't know. If she will. I thought they announced that, but I can't remember now. Isn't there like another movie coming out with uh, Jennifer Lawrence? It's basically like a Black Widow movie. I watched the trailer for that. Oh, I don't know. I don't watch trailers. Okay. All right. Well, listener, we're gonna get off right now because. We're at our three beer limit, mm-hmm. and we made a commitment we to did. each other and you to actually be lucid at the end of the recording. So look at us. You should watch Punisher. Yeah. You should read Recommend. comic books. You should start using the comic book database to make a list of things that you have read, want to read, mm-hmm. explore. I'll leave it. Um, we may need to. In the era of rapey harassers, add a flag to the database for, uh, is this like a DC property that had some sort of Eddie Berganza involvement or anybody else who's problematic? The, you with the Eddie Berganza reference. Or the guy on the Marvel side who like masqueraded as uh, Kira Yoshida for and a few years. C.B. Sibolsky. Yeah. So, but... Until we have the problematic flag edit on the back end of the comic book DB, you'll have to just do your own research, but follow Chris at... Comic book DB? Because that's his actual Twitter. Yeah. Which made him even cooler, but I liked him before that. I liked him more after that, but I liked him before that. That's true. Your actual reaction was, oh, you just became that much more interesting, which... It's an interesting (laughs) response. Oh, one day I'll get a filter. So... (laughs) That's it, and this will be the last episode of the worst year for humanity, but apparently the best year for Yeah, 2017. Yeah. Chris the Kansas fan loved 2017. That's great. We're really happy for him. Mm -hmm. We out.